morning, Tampa Bay and WMNF 88.5 FM family. Thank you for joining me here today, another day at the Fire and Ice podcast. Um, We want to talk about community service this time around. We want to know what's out there, who's really actually helping us. So um, I just like to, before I get started, to explain that this is an educational podcast that do not hate or promote violence of any kind. So we are here to share information, and hopefully this information will make your life better in case you choose to use it. Now, we have so many social programs in Hillsborough County and in the state of Florida, but we want to talk about these long-lasting nonprofits that have done great work and have helped many people. And today we have an iconic uh, young man that's been in the Tampa Bay area helping families, building homes, helping families with education, helping families with jobs. And they have been a staple in our community And it is the leader of the CDC of Tampa. And so we're going to hear how this um, effort and their continued efforts are helping families across Hillsborough County, especially in East Tampa. And uh, their location is in East Tampa on Hillsborough, but they are definitely uh, influential throughout Hillsborough County. So um, we're going to, in a couple of minutes, we're going to have Mr. Ernest Coney, the executive director of the CDC of Tampa, to help us walk through what is that organization is about and what is it doing, and also the talent that is on board and also for the organization nonprofit growth, how much growth talent will he be looking for. Hello, <clears throat> we're back with you today. Um, this is Fire and Ice Podcast, and I have this superstar of Hillsborough County, um, actually, that focused their work on in East Tampa. So I have CDC of Tampa, okay, and I have the executive director with me, and he's typically um, a celebrity and a superstar. Um, his name is Mr. Ernest Coney. So I'm going to let him do his introduction and tell you all about himself and the organization that he is head of. Okay? Awesome. Thank you, Saba. I'm really excited to be here today. Um, I'm really glad to be called a superstar. That made me feel really good. Um, just really excited. Uh, you know, when I look at Tampa, I was born and raised in Tampa, and I saw a tremendous growth period for mm-hmm. Tampa Um, But when you look at the neighborhoods, not all neighborhoods were built the same. And I think that was the burden that was placed on my heart was how do we make sure that all neighborhoods have the ability to transform themselves? How do we make sure that all people have the ability to reach their God-given potential? And that's what really birthed the CDC of Tampa to really help people create opportunities. So that's what we do every single day. Sometimes we talk about we give hope out every single day because in, in each of us is the desire, the aspiration um, to manifest itself. Mm-hmm. So how do we just tap into that, right? Yes. So we do a little bit of everything because we are comprehensive. And mm-hmm. if we don't do it, we make sure we connect you to the, right, to the right person. But specifically, we really focus on real estate development, youth leadership, mm-hmm. and workforce development are mm-hmm. our three main primary drivers but we have a mantra, earn it, keep it, grow it. Earn it is about what does it take to get income coming into your home? Mm-hmm. It could be a job. It could mm-hmm. be entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. Keep it as once you have it. Do you understand financial literacy? Do you understand your credit? Do you understand the things that help you to keep your to keep and grow your money budgets? Um, and then the last part of it is grow it. It's like once you have it, how do you, how do you begin to grow it as well? So then, yeah. you know, is it... You can own your own own your own home, have savings accounts, have retirement accounts, have investment mm-hmm. accounts, all the things that we traditionally sometimes get left out of. We want to make sure that people have it. 
So that is such a dynamic opening that when I look at all, all the things that we need, you're doing it for us. And how does that help you to, because let's say one organization can't do it all. How do you get it proportionally spread out that everybody can experience all those great things that you're doing? Yeah, it's been an amazing journey. So when we started in the early 90s, there was no one really focusing on East Tampa. So again, we were doing drug marches. We were doing um, lines of credit to people mm -hmm. to give them capital. Mm -hmm. We were doing technical assistance. Mm -hmm. Like we were doing everything. And as you grow and you start creating these wins, other people get interested in part in wanting to be a part of that team. Right. So today, um, you know, we have great partners. We have Salita's House, who was inside of our building mm -hmm. doing home buyer education classes. Mm -hmm. We partner with Black Business Investment Corporation and BBIF as well that do technical assistance and, and micro loans to, okay. to folks. So now, so now no longer do we have to do everything. Now we can focus more and go deeper into building more houses, building more commercial corridors, helping our youth um, with career exploration, mm -hmm. right, mm -hmm. and those type things. So it's an exciting journey to, to, to grow those partnerships. You know, everyone wants to know how, how did the organization come out on the other side of COVID? You know, because COVID had a way of, like, you know, closing businesses, people losing jobs. So a a very significant part of East Tampa and the services that you provide. How did you go into COVID and then how did you come out on post-COVID? What, yeah. what it looks like. Yeah, so um, pre-COVID, we were already taking a journey mm -hmm. on, you know, how to leverage technology, how to become more innovative and mm -hmm. how to become more effective, mm -hmm. right? So we were already embracing technology to a certain degree, mm -hmm. um, which really helped us. Mm -hmm. um, and we looked at, you know, what are for-profit organizations doing? What's the best in practice? What's the innovation that's happening? And, you know, those are the type of consultants that we would bring down through some of our intermediaries to help us take mm -hmm. this journey. So when COVID hit, we were already in the process of having virtual meetings, mm -hmm. right? And it also helped because some of our residents, transportation is a major issue, right? So to get to our building became a barrier. So we were already thinking about how do we help people awesome. um, provide services. So some of the things were starting with telephone. Some of the things were starting with video, mm. video meetings. And then COVID hit and it really just ramped up like everything. Then you had Teams, you had Zoom, right. you had everything, everything going full speed. So the timing of it helped us in that we were already thinking about innovation and technology. Um, and we were just able to lean into it during, mm -hmm. during COVID. Of course, the number of residents who needed services grew astronomically. We had people who were, you know, not able to go to work. And when a person is already on a stretch budget mm -hmm. and on top of that, they can't go and receive additional income where that puts them. Um, we had, you know, young folks who were in schools who are no longer socialized mm -hmm. the way that we traditionally socialize our, our, our youth, um, no longer having access to tutors. Like the world changed for us wow. and, and the types of services that people were needing were changing. So we tried to be there as much as possible and bring the right partners. So I'm going to just go back a couple of steps just to say, okay, so it sounds like your organization need really good talent, need really experienced and, and innovative and 21st century thinkers. What are your talent? What does your talent workforce look like? And, and how do you continue to build that growth organization? How would you say, okay, what you need now and what you would would need in the future. Could you share that with yeah, us? Yeah. And again, that's an exciting journey. Yeah. Exciting yeah. journey as well. So like we when we first started with our workforce programs, mm -hmm. we did soft skill training, mm -hmm. right? Job readiness. So mm -hmm. we need a certain person who can deliver that. Mm -hmm. Today we have a vocational school. Mm -hmm. So now we actually hire trainers that can do certifications. Oh, okay. We do construction trades, we do healthcare, we do welding, mm -hmm. um, we do smart manufacturing. Mm -hmm. Like we have all of these trades. So the type of person now that we are looking for is also the same type of person that USF mm -hmm. or Hillsborough Community College may look for as well, right? Now we're also are building and doing more things on construction with construction. So now we've also hired general contractors mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. to be on our staff. 
Okay. You know, and just recently we've been approved to buy a 3D printer, which mm-hmm. prints homes with cement. Yes. So that's a whole new technology being yes. delivered on how we even build homes. Yes. So we are always trying to innovate um, at a certain level and, and looking at, you know, what type of staff or capacity we need to make that happen. Okay. So that's that's wonderful. I mean, uh, one of the things, a 3D printer, that's amazing because I know they have, they had one at the... Um, Mosey. Mosey had a 3D printer that was building houses with the um, what it looked like concrete or some kind of plastic simulation. Mm-hmm. So I are you involved in the 3D city that they have? They have a, a 3D city process here? Yeah, no, I wasn't involved with um, with Mosey on, on that project, but mm-hmm. the technology is very similar, right? In that um, with the 3D printer, you can print the foundation, you can print the walls, and the technology is getting such that you can even, they're looking at being able to do the roof as well. Mm-hmm. And as you can imagine, being in Florida, where we have termites, where we have hurricanes and flooding and all these issues, to have a home that you don't have to worry about if floodwaters come through, that right. you don't have to worry about termite damage, that home will be there 500 years, years yeah, from now without having so you know embracing the technology and hopefully it brings down the prices as well so as mm-hmm. you know in mm-hmm. florida the average home is over four hundred thousand dollars right now and most people's incomes you know are are not at that level and we're trying to figure it out so we're trying to embrace the technology to make things more affordable as well that's beautiful but that also goes into something else i wanted to discuss with you homelessness people you know that's a journey to get ready to buy a house. But what about the homeless population, you know? So they're not thinking about buying a house. They're thinking about having shelter of exactly. any kind. Yeah, so the first thing is is stabilization with, mm-hmm. with homeless people. How do we get them housed somewhere? So Tampa and Hillsborough County both have great networks. Mm-hmm. Um, they both have, both the city of Tampa and Hillsborough County, they have a strong network of providers that help keep people off the streets. The difficult challenge is when there's mental health or drug abuse addictions that's mm-hmm. a, that are, you know, associated with it as well. But for the most part, Tampa has enough access and resources that you don't have to be on the streets. We have um, the city of Tampa has um, certain tent camps that they've created, mm-hmm. and then they bring all the partners. So, again, the same thing you would get if you were coming out of college. Mm-hmm. You might need to understand how to balance your budget. Mm-hmm. You may need some soft skills and mm-hmm. job readiness and mm-hmm. then, you know, referral to a job. Mm-hmm. You may need bus passes to get there, right? right? You may need your ID mm-hmm. or driver's license and you mm-hmm. need help. So every barrier, everything that's that's in the way, we make sure that we have the partners and the case managers to make sure they can deal with, to deal with those issues. So when I... Speak to some homeless people. Do they get, and they would say, they get a place to live first, and then they get all of those services? Or how does that, because, you know, the immediate yeah. need is get them off the street. Is that yeah. is that how it's done? Yeah, so that's the first thing is to get them off the street mm-hmm. and put them in a safe place, mm-hmm. right? So sometimes that may literally be in a tent. Mm-hmm. The city of Tampa is also looking at. A tent? A tent. A tent. A tent. And, okay. and that's and that's literally where we're at, right? Okay. And you've gone to other cities where they have like tent cities. Yeah, I went to California, right? downtown Hollywood, so the whole seen, main. You've seen the whole, you know, the whole thing. So, the first thing is getting them in a safe, safe place, right? And it may be a tent. The city and the county are also looking at places to build small, tiny homes. Mm-hmm. So you may go from a tent to a tiny home. They also have programs where they can they'll pay your vouchers. Um, or pay your rent to go into an apartment complex. Mm-hmm. So there's stages that you begin to grow. And then mm-hmm. once you're in that apartment complex, of course you need to start looking for a job mm-hmm. and they can help with those kind of programs. So the first thing is get you stabilized in a home and then provide the services to help you with your sustainability. So I'm sure you've seen what they do in um, Seattle and California. Yes. And, you know, the concern that we have is that our prices are rising such that we're becoming comparable to Seattle and New York. So where they were at 20 years ago, Tampa is today, right? Mm. And that's the challenge that we have. We don't want to have people who are who are born and raised here who may have gone through a struggle, right? You may have you know worked at Walmart or McDonald's mm-hmm. and one tragic event, car broke down, you couldn't pay a bill here or there, and the next thing you know, the lease 
um, agent is saying that, you know, you're going to be evicted. Mm -hmm. That's what we're trying to stop. Um, And the great thing is like, there's so much um, resources available that people just don't know. Mm -hmm. Like, even though the, the homes may sell for like $250,000, which that's about the lowest that we can bring it down to currently without the technology. But we have access to down payment assistance where we can bring about $150,000 in down payment assistance. So your first mortgage can be anywhere from 100000 to 150, which means that your payment is going to be like $700, $700 a month to 1000 mm-hmm. which is lower than most people are paying for rent right now. So have you noticed, um, because of the housing crisis, have you noticed, I guess what I'm asking, how have the for-profit or open market, have they aligned with trying to make sure that they help these people that are homeless, you know, apartment complex, have they kind of like give lower rent, monthly rent, or they... um, declined from having um, a deposit. What have the open market been able to do to help with the homelessness? I would say that the market that they focus on probably is what you would consider um, workforce. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the folks who, you know, are the secretaries or administrative assistants, um, the general managers out of Walmart, mm-hmm. um, so they have a, a portion of their um, production that targets that population. The homeless um, population? Not the homeless, working. The working. The working uh, Working population. poor. The working poor, okay. basically. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. It's very difficult to get private sector to help at the lowest level, which okay. is homelessness. Mm-hmm. But they do, they do, and they can help with mm-hmm. the the workforce or the working poor mm-hmm. um, side of it. Mm-hmm. And if they can help do that, because that's another growing site, mm-hmm. a growing population. So again, if rents can go for twenty five hundred dollars a month, we need something to be out here from you know a thousand dollars or lower. Um, if homes are selling for four hundred thousand dollars, we need something to be here for at least three hundred thousand. So. I guess this this is such an intriguing subject to me. So when we talk about how we're helping, are we looking at various models across the world, a country, you know, let's say, are we looking at Europe, how they handle their, their um, problem with homelessness and they, and we bring in some of those best practices. Are we looking at maybe how it's done in all different types of places that had to solve those homeless Um, crisis issues and also to couple that with we are experiencing a great migration right people are moving all over this um, country into the country so what are some of the newest uh, best practices that have been used to address the homelessness yeah so and it's not only not only homelessness but homelessness is the the hardest population because they need every supportive service that there Mm -hmm. is, right? But you also have, you know, everyday people who are working, Mm -hmm. who are struggling. Mm -hmm. Where do they go with rents being Mm -hmm. $2,500 a month? Mm -hmm. So it's all the above, right? So when you look at best practices, there's a lot of places across the country um, that are doing some amazing things. Mm -hmm. So like in Atlanta, they look at um, non-conforming lots, which basically means there's a standard for building a lot. Most Mm -hmm. lots in in Tampa or Hillsborough, or at least 50 feet by 100 feet, mm-hmm. right? That's your traditional 5,000-square-foot lot. Mm-hmm. But then you drive by and you see all these lots that don't fit that dimension mm-hmm. that are vacant. Mm-hmm. Well, that can be used to build a house that somebody could live in, mm-hmm. right? So how do you change your codes so that you can start building on these non-conforming lots mm-hmm. so that we have more inventory? You know, those are creative strategies. Mm-hmm. Again, we talked about technology. Mm-hmm. It used to be a time in Florida, like if you said your house was built modularly, in a factory, people are like, I do not want a home built in a factory. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, people are realizing that those those homes are sturdy, they're strong, there's, they've never been rained on, mm-hmm. right? People are also realizing, like, new technology, like um, the 3D printing, mm-hmm. right? There's also modular that you can print um, the cement in a modular way. So mm-hmm. it's, the, it's the walls that have the cement in it. So there's l- these new technologies that are helping to create 
um, scalable product that are cheaper. Mm -hmm. Um, Of course, we need to continue to push that so that it continues to grow. So do we have models to look at? Do we can we touch that? Do we have a completed product? You know, um, because. Hearing it, but seeing it, believing it, right? right, Two two things, things, right? So, um, how do we sell it to the public, and can they touch it? Can they go and walk, you know, in it and and see how it feels? Um, What you say to that? So, in Tampa, hopefully, in six months, we'll be able to say that we can see a lot more of those. So, some of the modular that are built with um, cement walls, Mm -hmm. um, there's some that are in permitting right now that are getting ready to come out. We've been partnering with a, um, a young GC, a general contractor, who's doing that. And then, like I said, we will probably have our 3D printer um, on site probably by the end of this, end of next month. Uh-huh. So that, you know, six months or eight months from now, you'll be able to walk through some of these homes. So wow. definitely by the first quarter of next year, you'll be able to put your hands on and see and feel some of this okay. new technology driving um, access to affordable housing. Oh, that's awesome. That's because, you know, if we talk about the biggest crisis and plus the weather makes it even more. I mean, we have on record heat here. Yes. So have you noticed in the last 10 years, have the homeless population increased or decreased? It's definitely increasing. It's it's increasing. And so there's there's an economic pressure. Mm-hmm. Right. So after COVID, there was a wave of people who just got non-renewals of leases because after COVID people realized that they can charge $2,500 and somebody would pay that because of that migration you're talking about Mm -hmm. young folks coming from New York, Mm -hmm. California, Mm -hmm. like all of these higher price markets, when they look at $2,500, they're like, that's cheap. Yes. Compared to 4,500 New York in in New York for average is 4,000. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you have this type of competition where they can work for a company in New York or California virtually, mm-hmm. but they get their salary from New York. From New York, mm-hmm. whereas, and now we're competing with a salary from here. So there's some of that going on, and that and that displaces people mm-hmm. uh, from having from having housing. And then there's also like the traditional places that people may have tried to stay um, are no longer available to them, right? So you know, under the underpasses, you would see. Um, people gathering now they made the underpasses so, so it's more vertical so mm-hmm. you can no longer sleep up under the under, mm-hmm. underpass so now people are coming from the underpass into the communities so now they're sleeping in front of businesses right up, up under their um the entrance of most businesses mm-hmm. so there's a growing population and then there's a displacement of where some folks may have traditionally tried to find refuge wow so uh, is it safe to say that um Unless we figure out how to solve this problem, it's going to keep increasing. Yeah, we, we definitely have to figure something out. I remember when I was a young kid, like eight years old, you would, you would rarely see a homeless person. Mm-hmm. And if you did, they definitely had a mental health issue associated with it. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that they just, you know, were on the streets and didn't have anything, have any, any capabilities. It was something that um, contributed to them being homeless. Okay. Today, you can drive down any street, you're going to see a lot more people on the streets pushing carts, you know, offering to sell you something on the side. Like, just the proliferation of that has grown. And the trajectory of our prices are not slowing. The trend line is it's only increasing. Rents are only increasing. Homes are only increasing. But our salaries stay flat, right? We're not getting 20 or 10% increases, we're getting one, 2% increases over time. So the cost to live, the cost of living, the quality of life, that trend line from where the salaries are, are, are there's a bigger gap in that. So that's what we got to figure out. And that's why we really focus on, is it an entrepreneurship? Is it a job? What does it take to get more income coming into your homes? You know, we also have done tax um returns to help people with tax returns through the VITA voluntary income tax. And, you know, people are getting on average $2,500, $3,000 tax returns um, for that as well. So that's another income boost as well. Mm-hmm. So you start coupling things, you get the, the tax return going, 
you get an increase on your job because now you got the certification. Now you know how to budget a little bit better mm-hmm. and save. Now you got an investment account for the future. Mm-hmm. Those are the trend lines that you want to have to compete against this mm-hmm. high cost mm-hmm. to live. Wow. It's, um, it's, it's definitely an educational journey, right? And especially yes. coming out of families that never had to think about it or never had to worry about it. So I, I want to shift and talk a little bit more about entrepreneurship. What do you offer at CDC of Tampa in the form of entrepreneurship? Yeah, so um, that's a vital, vital, vital component of how you help families to um, to grow in that mm-hmm. trend line, right? So when you look at the number of folks who own a business, um, there's a struggling a struggle for that, especially for folks who are coming out of low mod um, areas mm-hmm. or maybe coming out of minority um, families, especially black. We've always had small business stuff, mm-hmm. right? So your grandmother sold frozen cups, right? Your sister did hair every now and then, right? But how do we formalize that business so that it can be generational, right? right. And that's the part that we're trying to grow. How do we take these small little ideas and formalize them so that you actually own a business and you can think about how to grow and scale it? Mm-hmm. So we partner with um, several partners, um, again, um, Small Business Investment Corporation, which is with Hillsborough County, mm-hmm. BBIF, um, Black Business Investment um, f- Fund, and BBIC, Black Business Investment Corporation. Mm-hmm. They do the hand-holding components of it, right? So is it a referral to an accountant? Is it a legal team that you need? Mm-hmm. Is it a business plan mm-hmm. that you need? Like you had a concept, but then how do you put together a business plan for it, right? right? So those groups really focus on that kind of technical assistance to help Mm -hmm. you grow your business so it maximizes it. So when you say technical assistance, two things come to mind because sometimes technical assistance means they give you funding to formalize and put the components in, in place. And technical assistance can mean also how they actually help you to interpret the process so that you can go through it. Is that a combination or is it um, separate under your entrepreneurship? The way, we, the way we look at it, we have them separate. So mm-hmm. there's three major buckets that we want to focus on. Mm-hmm. The technical assistance is preparing you to be a strong business, mm-hmm. right? So oftentimes what happens is we're a small business. Mm-hmm. We've never done tax returns for our for our business. We never pay taxes for our business. Mm-hmm. And it's because of like, it's always the don't show your true revenue on your financials mm-hmm. because you're going to have to pay taxes. Mm-hmm. Well, in a moment when you need a line of credit, you can't even show that you ever made business, you ever made money in your business. Mm-hmm. So it helps you on one end by not having to pay taxes, but it doesn't help you to grow to wealth right? because when it's time to go get a line of credit, you don't have the ability to show that your business makes any money. Okay. Right. Okay. So the technical assistance gets them prepared for the moment. Okay. Right. And then you have another lane for capital. Mm-hmm. How do you get access to capital? Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's a small business. We don't have a lot of collateral. Mm-hmm. Um, we may have just worked through our credit, but you know, we need somebody to take a chance on us. And those are the type of partners that we want to bring to help do micro lending. So we have partners who can do everything from a $500 loan up to a $5 million loan. Wow. Right. Depending on where your business is. Right. But you can't get there without having the business plan. Right. Right. And then once you get that access to the capital, the third piece of it is around what we call procurement opportunities. Mm -hmm. And procurement is basically the ability to um, buy, buy and sell services. Mm -hmm. Right. So, for example, um, you take University of South Florida. Right. They may want to build a new building. So when they get ready to build a new building, they're going to need a general contractor to build it. They're going to need somebody to provide lights and ceiling. They're going to need somebody to put flooring down. Mm-hmm. They're going to need someone like all of these different categories, mm-hmm. right? So now you have a business and a business plan, and you can align yourself with these procurement opportunities that will be coming out. Mm-hmm. So if you are a janitorial company, you will want to put in a bid to become the janitorial. Mm-hmm. If you're a landscaping, you want to do that. If you are an interior decorator, you'll want to put in a bid for that. Mm-hmm. If you're the person who does the doors and pro- provides doors, right, so that each person has an opportunity um, to get 
um, a service contract right. out of that. So that's the third piece, right? Mm-hmm. So we have technical assistance, mm-hmm. we have capital, and then the third piece will be around procurement opportunities. So okay. they actually have real opportunities to grow their business. That's interesting. So I'm going to talk a little bit more about technology. So technology is just the way we are. This is the world now, technology. So we're going to talk about artificial intelligence. How has it come to be artificial intelligence is integrated in the CDC of Tampa? Or what um, interface piece would you have involved with artificial intelligence in terms of your organization? Yeah, so we still are trying to figure out AI and what artificial intelligence can can mean to be beneficial. Um, we haven't quite got there yet, mm-hmm. but you think about small things. You think about, you know, in, in our world, we write a lot of grants, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? We do a lot of research. Mm-hmm. The question becomes, can we pose a question to the AI, and then it begins to feed us back the responses mm-hmm. that we need to help write a grant. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like chat GPS. Chat, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. So, you know, yeah. th- those are those mm-hmm. those are the questions that mm-hmm. um, begin to happen. But when you look at, you know, um, innovation like that and what it can, that's going to be a transformative moment. Mm-hmm. In mm-hmm. fact, when you think about the workforce, like traditionally we would tell people to go into coding mm-hmm. and, you know, the those types of jobs may get displaced because of AI. Mm-hmm. You no longer need that type of person. You don't. Right? Mm-hmm. Now you can get the AI to write a script right. for a code right. itself, right? Right, right. So it's always um, challenges and opportunities with mm-hmm. every technology that, that comes out. So it's that's a really new technology. So we're still are trying to figure out how to use it, how to, you know, how to connect with it. Um, I know some people provide like different trainings virtually mm-hmm. or through um, online training. Right. But if you can imagine having a computer-generated um, training course where the, you know it's able to have a figure and it's talking to you and yes. it's telling you how to do this, yes. it's like having you – like most people go to YouTube, right, yeah. and it's a video. Yeah. But imagine this artificial intelligence yes. creating these videos exactly. that teach you how to do things. So, you know, it'll be an amazing time, so we'll see. It's like the Matrix, right? Exactly. (laughs) Yes, so So I think we're already there. Um, I think they're releasing this technology very slowly, but I think we're already there. Yeah. Um, So one of my favorite topics is always about um, cryptocurrency, bitcoins, and the blockchain, and NFTs. So that's a lot to wrap your head around, but... It's been out there a while. Right. And so and in order for us to say, hey, we're on board, but there is a lot of cautionary tales with that. So where do you say your organization or future organizations would participate in that? Yeah, no. And we, our organization hasn't done um, that side of the technology yet. Mm-hmm. But I have had a phone call with um, some investors who said, Ernest, you know, let us run some workshops for the community to show them and teach mm-hmm. them, mm-hmm. you know, how to how to do this mm-hmm. type of um, technology and embrace mm-hmm. it. So I remember um, when Uber first started, they had given me a call and they were like, you know, Mr. Coney, we know what you guys do for workforce. This is what we'll be looking. We're looking for people who can help drive. We're looking for people mm-hmm. who can help access this technology. Mm-hmm. We're doing all these things. And I'm like, you're asking people to go online and get a driver that they don't know to come pick them up. Fast forward all these years later, and Uber is like this amazing, amazing, amazing technology that I thought no one would ever embrace because like, I was like, you're going to call a yellow cab. We're going to keep calling yellow cab, right? So getting information to our residents early, especially early when it comes to technology, that's when you can really make your money or your investments or right. figure something out. So imagine if I would have said, yes, we want to partner with you, what that could have meant for our organization. But I was like, uh, it's, it's, I don't think anybody's going to ride with a stranger. So I remember it, that it was huge one day when my kids said, oh, I don't need a ride anymore. I'm using Uber. Huh? I'm using Uber. I don't need you to take me to college anymore. I'm, I'm going to jump in Uber. And it was so, because, you know, what we're thinking about is generational, right? right. Where we would have said, no, they're like, yeah, this is this is better than a car. Exactly. <laughs> you know, so um, when that came on board, I was kind of like, who would be letting a stranger drive? Right. <laughs> Why would I get in a stranger car? But 
I mean, now that's the only thing, that's the only conversation they're having now is that. Yeah. So, yeah. So, but blockchain has a way of getting into conversations. NFTs have a way of getting into conversations and they're organizational um, planting. So do you see yourself hosting or homing a blockchain entity somewhere down the line? Yeah, and we definitely can have like the kind of work for or um, workshops, mm-hmm. invite the community out so they can learn and mm-hmm. understand. So you know, I'm big on whatever your passion point is, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. some people they get technology, they mm-hmm. embrace it, they love it. Some mm-hmm. people don't. Mm-hmm. Um, but to have the ability to have known, mm-hmm. so you can make an informed decision, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Because whatever you put your resources in and investment, in, you should have it as it should be a passion point for you, right? That's what brings the success. Yes. So, Partnering with people who have that knowledge. Yes. And just, yes. you know, we can create these workshops and, and open it up to the community to come and, and learn as much as possible. I remember doing a workshop on just coding and software. And I was really surprised. And it was a young group there. And they said, well, you know, um, my grandmother said this is the devil's workshop technology, right? And we're all standing up there getting ready to show them this whole big old presentation. And so I looked over to um, one of my colleagues and said, what do we do now? Because they just said, (laughs) you know. So that surprised me because they were so young. It surprised me. So what do you say when people are resistant to advancement and technology? What do you say to that? Because that's where we are, right, with our population. We have um, a variety of ideas and practices. So how do you approach that in your organization? Yeah, and and it's really about, number one, how do we prepare the youth for for these moments, right? Mm -hmm. So when older people were riding horses and these younger people were winding their cars up for the Model T Ford, you know, it wasn't the 80-year-olds who were jumping in the car anymore, right? (laughs) Right. So how do we prepare our young young people for is is, is number one. But then, like, some certain examples. So in our youth programs, we were exposing young folks to investment strategies mm-hmm. and financial strategies. Mm-hmm. Fast forward later, many of them are investment bankers. Many of them are private investors and they got that love and passion from a meeting early. Yes. Right. Yes. So yes. you look at most of our technology, everything from Apple being created in a garage mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. Facebook being created to these young college mm-hmm. kids. Right. As we expose our community, especially our young folks, to technology early and let them embrace it. Right. 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 The capabilities and the opportunities open up to them. So do in your program, do you have any kind of like um, work study programs or do you have any kind of like uh, internships that for the youth? Because usually that does tremendous help with introducing them to the industries do you have internships and different things of that nature yeah traditionally we run um at least three youth during the summer Mm -hmm. um as interns Mm -hmm. so normally one is in the real estate department Mm -hmm. the other is in our youth program Mm -hmm. and then someone in admin administration or or finance one, one of those two so every summer we host at least three um interns so what work do you do with okay internship to do what after the summer? And then how does that translate into college or into industries for employment? Yeah. So it's a couple levels to that. One is um, when you look at the work that we do, especially as Mm -hmm. community developers, Mm -hmm. um, that industry doesn't have a lot of youth. Like when you look at folks who built houses and folks who've done a lot of community investment stuff, it's always been the older generation, mm-hmm. right? So how do we now begin to introduce these young folks into, you know, especially since some of them are going off to become, you know, millionaires at an, at the earliest age possible because they embrace technology, mm-hmm. right? Um, and, and, and produce those people and get them ready so that when a young person goes to MIT, Florida A&M, all these great schools that they have the ability to use that, that education. So one, we want to introduce them to these fields early, okay. right, to let them know what their, what their options are. Okay. Secondly, as young folks, of course, to graduate high school, you have to have a certain number of volunteer hours. Okay. Right? Mm-hmm. So instead of just volunteering to, you know, just stock a food, food shelf or something like that, 
you can also volunteer for something meaningful. Um, from everything from, you know, going to create projects at senior living facilities, you know, to how do we figure out some to stop the violence in our high schools mm -hmm. to, you know, how do we help homeless? Mm -hmm. How do we figure this thing out? You know, there's some organizations that are actually teaching young folks how to do architectural designs to figure out how to build housing. Okay. So we pose the question to mm -hmm. them. How would you like your home to live? Mm -hmm. what, what, what do you need in it? So that the youth are now finding solutions, right? So not only is it just the volunteering, but now you're preparing them for leadership through their volunteering mm -hmm. efforts, right? So we try to connect on both of those levels. One is we have internships to expose them to careers um, in this field, but we also want to harness the volunteerism of those youth to create that into a leadership moment. Okay. So one of the questions I have to ask, because I was told that how – do you capture 21st century talent as a growth mindset? We, I introduced it earlier, but this question was, how do we, if, if we have someone that's listening to this and they have a unique skill that they want to offer to CDC of Tampa, and I'm speaking to the executive director <laughs> of CDC, the superstar of East Tampa, what would you tell them? How do they get involved with bringing that unique talent and, would, and, and how would it be welcomed or received in your organization? Yeah, so one, um, a couple of ways to try to reach out to us is through our mm -hmm. website, mm -hmm. www.cdcoftampa.org, um, which has all of our contact information. Um, my personal cell phone number is 813-294-0220. And then we want to make sure that they connect with folks, connect with us. There's no wrong idea, okay. right? So we're doing things from we're partnering with people to do development projects, right, to teach them development. Um, there could be concepts if you got a, a great application. Mm -hmm. So eventually where I really would like to be able to go is like um, Shark Tank mm -hmm. where you can come and present your ideas, mm -hmm. and then we have these investors that will invest in the, in the idea. We're not quite there yet, but uh, imagine something like that would, would be truly amazing. That is so cool because I did that for three years. Yeah. Yeah, angel um, investors. Yes. Yeah, we had Coca-Cola, Apple. Yep. We had um, a couple of um, people from the banking industry that took on young groups and um, groomed them for different industries. And it is true when the youth is introduced to their passion or they feel like they have a passion, they rise to the occasion. And I saw some things in that process that I didn't even think a lot of students had. Yes. So, yes. And so, okay, guys, you heard it here. Mr. Um, Coney gave his cell phone number, okay? I Just remember he gave it to you, <laughs> not me. Okay, so... I just, what I want to know about is, I know your mom. Your mom is so famous, and she's so well-loved. Let me tell you the story I first met your mom. I don't know if it was 29th Street, and it used to be a little gym. You go in there, and you box. It was a boxing gym. Okay. Do you, a corner store. Mm -hmm. Next to it, it was a little gym, and it was dark in there. And... This was like in the late 90s or somewhere. Um, I saw this lady with this big old hat. And she was telling the kids, no, you can't go in there. You got to go in this side here. And I said, that lady, she is. She act like she owns this place. She, she owns it. Right. And I, like, I want to be like her when I grow up. She was one of those people that if you watch her, you want to be like her. Right. Yeah. And... And so I have always had love and passion for her when I see her because I know her anywhere because she has the biggest house <laughs> in the room, right? right? So she made such a wonderful son. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. She, she made such a wonderful son. And, and she's been a mother to a lot of people. Yes. I remember sometimes. Close and far. Close and far. Right. I can remember as a child waking up on Christmas Day and there's like other kids in the house. I'm like, what, <laughs> what just happened? <laughs> And they're like, thank you, Mom. Come on. Like, that's my mother. What are y'all talking about? That's the beauty. That's the yeah. beauty of her soul. And I and I really um 
always when I when I see her, I'm like, you know what? If we had more people like her, we could do a lot of great things. Yes. And I saw her again. First time I saw your dad, though, when mm-hmm. we was at the uh, CEO experience. Yes. Um, and so um, Drew Ware event. You remember that yes. was just like yep. a couple of months ago. Correct. Yep. And I said, wow, I wish her long life, good health, everything wonderful, because she is the mother of the community. Really, yeah. she is. And, and I really appreciate her over the years. Yeah. Always saying positive and encouraging things. Yes. Always, always. Yeah, I, I'm truly blessed in that both my parents were amazing and were preparing mm-hmm. me for this moment without me even knowing it. Yes. So my father was the athletic director for um, TBYFL, Tembe Youth Football League. Okay. So he helped to grow that from, like, they only had, like, maybe four three or four um, fields. Okay. You go out there now, they got like probably eight, 10, 12 wow. different fields out there. Wow. He also was the um, district director to help build that YMCA, the first inner city YMCA on Florida and Palm. Okay. Right. Wow. So he raised the capital, helped the board. Wow. So I get it honest on both sides. Right. But those are the kind of moments when you're doing things as a, as a young kid. Cause I was in high school, I was in like junior high school, mm-hmm. high school. My parents were doing, starting to transition into mm-hmm. these amazing things. Mm-hmm that it was just a part of our life. It was right. a part of our life for my dad to go buy a van, to go pick kids up from West Tampa, to invest in them. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So that's all I've ever known and yeah. all, all, I've, all I've ever seen. So it's right. been an amazing journey to have those Yeah, parents. and that's you are a beautiful representation of that, you know, to share all of that knowledge, that institutional knowledge that happened in your house and in the organization. Right. Because... In order for you to be so good at this, you had to be around it all the time. Yeah. And you are actually a person that when I see CDC, that I just, well, you know you're twins with your mom, too. I know people <laughs> have told you that. Yes. Hey, that's definitely her son. Yes. It looks just like her. So, no, I give my hat off to both to your entire family and to you, and I thank you. Because the work is going to get harder, you know, because we're going to need to do more and more as definitely. time goes on. And so... Um, my driving down to my question is um, how do we see we keep having if we look at all the disparities we keep leading the disparities you know what I mean I I, and I I hope one day I wake up and the creator have changed that but as we are now it's still the same how do we go into the future addressing to change that because even though they say we are small con- uh, conversation or a small percentage, we lead in all the disparities. Correct, and it's and it's a difficult question because it's not one answer, right? Right. It's a lot of answers. Right. It's one our leadership. Right. Right. Because we no longer have a Martin Luther King who can unite all of us. Right. We all we all want to be the chief. Right. right. So that's number one. We got to we got to right. challenge with, our, with following people in leadership. Right. 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 But then secondly, even the um, the process and the ecosystems that we have, mm-hmm. um, we don't spend money with one another. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, within our generations that do come up with wealth within two to three generations, that wealth is lost. So grandmother owned a home. In fact, she owned three homes. Mm-hmm. And by the time it got to the grandkids, somebody didn't pay taxes, something happened, and the homes were lost. So it's a lot of different components that lead us to the same place. Mm-hmm. So we try to create programs that, um, you know, deal with those things. But really, I think it's going to come down to how do we create an agenda that all of us can really agree to? Because there's so much work. We need everybody to come in to partner. We need the NAACP. We need the Urban League. We need these local CDCs like the CDC of Tampa. We need policy changes. Like if we can create a GI Bill that can create the fastest growing middle class, why can't we create a bill to bring financing and capital into these communities? So now, Ernest, you did this, this next question, and this is always a polarizing question. Black American reparations. And and, And for me, the difficulty in America... And some a, a professor told me this. He was like, Ernest, you can never win a win. You can never win a conversation based on race. Why? Because the history dictates it. Why would a person be enslaved simply because of their color? 
So you already have an issue that you can never win that argument. You were like it, that argument doesn't work. Right. So let's go beyond that and think about what has been done before. Mm-hmm. And really access to capital is what access to capital is what we need. Right. Mm-hmm. So we had 40 acres and a mule on the table, but it was pulled back because the Southern farmers were like, there's no way you're going to take the same property that they once worked and I'm going to give them the, the property. Right. So it was taken back. It was agreed to, but then it was taken back. Fast forward to, you know, 2023, I don't know if we can win an argument based upon race because every other group has received reparations. It's on lineage. Right? Not race. It's lineage. It's yeah, it's on lineage. On lineage. Yes. But lineage is tied directly to, to race, right? It tends to be. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it tends to be, So yeah. for a lot of people, the, the two are always seen as, as, yeah. the, as the same, yeah, right? Yeah, coupled together, yes. Yes. So, you know, when you start thinking about, um, you think about Italians were able to get um, reparations, mm-hmm. Jews who weren't, who were um, received reparations mm-hmm. here for mm-hmm. atrocities done Happened somewhere, somewhere else. Somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, and Native Americans, which needed to be, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. received re- received reparations. Um, when people moved here as immigrants, they were like. Let's expand and give yes. you land. Yes. Right. So every group manifest destiny. Every yes. single group that mm-hmm. came to America mm-hmm. um, received reparations, except yes. for the one group, the, the, one the group. group with the lineage, the like lineage. you call it, right? <laughs> but now we're in 2023, so mm-hmm. you know the argument to me should be, it's about capital coming into our communities. Well, that's why they say cash payment needs to start that conversation. And it and it and. And when you say give each person a a cash payment, mm-hmm. there may be pushback for it. Absolutely. But what I would argue is let's look at a policy like the GI Bill, right? Mm-hmm. They gave capital education, access to get an education capital, mm-hmm. access mm-hmm. to get a mortgage mm-hmm. capital, access mm-hmm. It was access to capital. Yes. And the GI Bill created, created the middle class. Created the middle class. Yes. So yes. All you have to do is create a lineage bill, bill. <laughs> and it's not direct payments, right? right? It's right. about access to capital. So I can own my own home. Yes. I can start my own yes. business. I can go to college yes. if I want yes. to. And that is a brilliant way to look at it. I think yeah. that is super brilliant. That's why I say you're the superstar. <laughs> that, 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 now that, we just got to get Congress to agree to it. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's on with it. Yeah. But that is such a... Um, perfect analogy to the fact that we do think about those things, right? We we look at it that what makes us different right. from everybody else, you right. know? And um, so if we approach it, because, you know, p- p- politics is hard. I don't know about anybody else. I, yeah. I find that a blood sport. It, it, I find it very uncomfortable. What what do you say? It's very hard. It's It's gotten worse over time. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm the type of person I like. I'm, I like to be solution oriented. Yeah, me. But now it seems like most people are are win or lose and whatever that takes. Yeah. So yeah. The, the great thing about Florida and Tampa was when I was younger, like it was about how do we succeed as a city? Yes. How do we succeed as a county? Mm-hmm. How do we succeed as a state? Mm-hmm. Um, and hopefully we can get back to that to that I hope to so. that point to solve these problems because you can't. You can't say you're the greatest country in the world and can't right. solve problems. Right. And that's what made us the greatest country because we solve problems. Exactly. And so we, we need to go back to that. And so I think um, this conversation need to continue in other venues as well as how we come together for that agenda. You know, how do we get that agenda going? Right. One agenda that we all can agree on and we can actually do and solve some of these problems. So what do you think about that agenda? How do we get everybody on board? Because I'm sure you've right. seen many agendas floating around. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and hopefully, you know, having iPod con, um, content like this yes. with, with you to have the, start having a discussion yes. um, can hopefully lead to people coming together yes. as well. And, you know, I, I used to look at Tavis Miley um, a long, long time ago, and he was like, you know, maybe we should go into these smaller communities and begin to take them over because, you know, like the mayor is somebody on city council. 
Yes, right? always right. And then, and then you can take the city staff position, and then yes. you can take, and then before you yes. know it, you, you know you're leading. You got you. You're, you're leading, leading your the, city. You're leading yes. your city. Yes, that's true. It's just small ideas like that, and yeah. then of course he always talked about you know an agenda. Yes, and a yes. covenant, and how we can how we can accomplish that. Yes, at one time, his voice was so great and soothing. It still is. He still, yeah. if I, if I did top 10, he would be on that top 10, yeah. you know, because um, I read all his books, right. you know. Right. I remember when him and Cornell West was teamed, and I listened to all of their podcasts, well, uh, broadcasts, I should yep. say. Um, and, I mean, there's a lot of great leaders. Um, I don't know if you, um, Neely Fuller, you know, you ever mm-hmm. heard of Neely Fuller? I'm not familiar with, with you know. Okay, I have to learn wrong. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. nearly full. I you would. I think you'll like him. Okay. Yeah, I think you'll like him, and and so I I I try to take those great minds, you know, and and try to implement them or infuse them in my thought pattern, and and hopefully I can help somebody in doing that. Um, today for me is um, great to sit here with you and just have this conversation. But you forgot to tell us all the, your upcoming events because you on the 31st annual fundraising luncheon you're having? Yeah, so in, in October will be our 31st um, year in, in existence. So we're really mm. excited to celebrate that. Okay. So, again, if you go to our website, www.cdcoftampa.org, mm-hmm. you'll find information. So that will be in October. And I'm definitely looking forward to seeing everyone there. It's yeah. a luncheon. Yeah, I see. Yeah, I, I, I think – Fundraising to add to all the great things you're doing, right? So um, I guess you want money for that. That's yeah, yeah, you know, you have to you have to invest in the things that that help you exactly. help, us, help us get there. And some people, you know, forget about the nomenclature. They say the word nonprofit. Mm-hmm. You still got to keep lights on. You still got to, you know, and you look at, and that's why we you know we really try to run it as a small business. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. We have staff. Mm-hmm. We are an employer. Right. We have people who work for us and right. they have mortgages and they buy homes and they pay taxes exactly. and, all, and all those great things. So that's good to mention how many employees you have. Yeah. So we're about 22. Staff okay. about 22. OK, that's great. And we're looking to grow for some of those great minds that you were talking about, right. those innovators and yes. all those great things. Yes, I can hear that. I can hear that. And actually, you know, what's really unique about you Um your um, mind is definitely for the future. You can talk to some people and you don't get that, but you definitely are thinking for the future. And that's because of who your dad and your mom. Wow, yes, definitely. Yes. And, and that's what makes it, you're so dynamic and that's what makes it so exciting to be a part of the CDC of Tampa. And I'm, I'm going to wind this up, but I'm hoping that this is um, the first of many that we could talk about all the great things that you're doing in the future. Definitely. And I'm hoping that um, that team grow, that team grow and that we all can come on board and help you to do this great work because um, there's nobody else doing what you're doing. And the results, you can actually see the results. Right. And that's the beauty. Yeah. That's the beauty. And that's yeah. that. That's the one thing that we said. You got number one. My mother said, "You you got to own some things." Yeah. So we we own our own building, right. and, and we have things that come out of the ground, right? And we invest in our residents to that's, make sure that they have the ability to purchase their dreams, mm. to purchase their their goals and aspirations, right. as well. Aren't you guys about to build some houses? I thought you guys are building. Yeah, some we houses. consistently build houses. So we just sold um, about eight homes mm-hmm. um, on the past month or two. Okay. So. In 2024, we should be at a pace to build about 50 homes a year. Wow. That's a big endeavor. Yeah. That's huge. And hopefully that's a minimum. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. To keep up with the population, right? right? So um, how? what do you do with, if it, is it what they call affordable, low-income housing? How is that? I it's, mean... It's all the above, all okay. those labels. <laughs> what can your pocketbook afford? <laughs> We're going to try to create an opportunity. That. Yeah, right. That. Right, because like you said earlier, the minimum is 250000 That's crazy. Right. So we have to bring additional down payment assistance so we can get funding from the state, we can get funding from our local groups, okay. so we can get funding from our bank partners as well. So how does that, uh, Just I'm just curious, is how... When you say affordable housing, 
let's say a person work at Walmart, uh, minimum wage. Is that foreseeable? Yeah, so we actually have had single mothers mm -hmm. who were making $11 an hour mm -hmm. able to buy a home. Wow. Right? And grow. So the good thing is, like, if you can afford it at that point, when you do get your increases in 15 years over time, it's it's even easier. You're breathing even more because your okay. income has gone up, but your rent has stayed flat. And that's the goal. But how how does the bank handle that? Because the bank is the one that says the interest rates and, you know, they got all kind of things going on. And that's why we try to buy down um, to have the lowest mortgage possible. So, like I said, if the home sells for two fifty, and part of the reason why you have to continue to sell at certain prices mm -hmm. is you also have to set values for people, right? So if people own a home and then you go in and you sell a home for a hundred thousand dollars, but someone else paid three hundred thousand for it, you start devaluing the neighborhood, and we don't want to devalue the neighborhood. We want to increase the values in the neighborhood so that if you own your home five years from now, you can pull out whatever equity that you need. So we just try to buy it down so that they can afford the mortgage. They can get a mortgage that they um, right. can afford. Well, I'm not on the phone. But anyhow, yeah, so let me ask you about the houses that's on 22nd Street. There's a lot of abandoned houses there. So is that would that be considered as an East Tampa situation? Yeah, so, you know, 22nd Street should definitely be a commercial corridor. Um, we have had housing that's appeared on 22nd. And this is my the gospel according to Ernest for anyone who okay. may have a different opinion. <laughs> okay. But 22nd Street should be a commercial corridor. You have families who need to go to a grocery store, to a, you know, drug store, to, mm -hmm. you know, get goods and services, and they have to try to find their way, right? So there's certain corridors that should help. Um, and, again, that would help us to spend money um, within, our, within our community as well. So most of the neighborhoods, so East Tampa um, – is a large area. It's about seven and a half square miles. And predominantly we have um, strong home ownership and mm -hmm. we're trying to increase that. So there's a lot of opportunities to continue to build homes and create the um, access and possibility of having home ownership in East Tampa. Yeah. So what about um, one of the things that happen if that you see in on Hillsborough Avenue, you see a lot of commercial and you see residential. Is that creating a problem for affordability? That's the new phase of housing that's coming. That's the urban, that's the urban look, right? So when you go to New York and all those places, Atlanta, you'll see a lot of mixed use projects where it's commercial and housing. Uh, it's about density. So that's definitely coming. Our challenge is to make sure that we don't get the storage sheds, um, things that don't create economic value as far mm -hmm. as jobs mm -hmm. and opportunities. Mm -hmm. And that's a challenge because, look, even though we say that's New York, we're nowhere, we're not considered as a mainstream uh, transportation, multi-transportation right. um, environment. So there's a, a big difference. For instance, you know, I was laughing that in New York, they'll tell you it's a park, but the park is about what? less than a half a yard or, I mean, uh, um, right. you know, and pocket, here, park. pocket park and here is acres of right. land. Right. So the concept is so different here in terms of how we value property and yep. land. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you, how do you um, source that? How do you move forward on that? If you're trying to become a metropolitan. Yeah. Change takes time. So when I was young, my cousins in New York had all the fashion before, and they come down. They got they got the fashion two years before I even know it was a, a fashion. <laughs> fashion, thing. right? So right. oftentimes things happen in the Northeast, um, mm -hmm. and then move down here. So mm -hmm. you know, fifteen years ago, people didn't want didn't want townhomes. Right. Fifteen years ago. Right. Now you can't get enough of townhomes. Right. So now that you're going to find more, you know, vertical mm -hmm. systems. Exactly. Quads vertical. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, mixed shoes going vertical, up, right. going up mm -hmm. and it's coming because at a certain point you run out of land. Yes. That's the one thing like uh, any investors out there buy land, buy land, right? That's yeah. the one thing they're not creating any yeah. more of. Yeah. They're not creating any more land. That's true. That's true. That's true. I mean, God have created all the land he's going to create. Right. Yes, I agree. 
That's interesting. So we're going to wrap this up, and we're going to um, just let you give a message to the community, whatever you want to leave them with, and then we're going to just sign up. Awesome. So definitely thank you again for the opportunity to just come and share some thoughts. Yeah. Um, we're really excited to partner with the community, and that's what we were really birthed around was the community said they wanted to see certain things. So it's really big for us to have that community engagement. Okay. So if you want to stay engaged with the CDC of Tampa, um, again, www.cdcoftampa.org. My email address is my name, ernest.coney at cdcoftampa.org. Thank you. So this to me was a very, very good um, interview, and I'm so happy and humbled that you came to visit with us here on Fire and Ice Podcast. Thank you, and goodbye, community. I'll see you next week.